podcast episode mentions death, grief, and suicide. These are our personal stories, and we are not mental health professionals. This is not a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Oh my gosh, Jessica, are you ready to share our big news with our listeners? Which big news would that be, Samantha? The dream we've been working towards for like two years now. Oh, that big news. Yes. We are so excited to share with you all that our nonprofit coaching company, ALH Coaching, is finally live. What is so cool about this is that it's nonprofit. We offer coaching sessions for individuals as well as resiliency courses that people can take asynchronously. So excited. Mm -hmm. So if you're working towards being more resilient, please go check out ALHcoaching.org today and start your journey towards greater resiliency. Hello, and thank you for joining us on this episode of And Life Happened. I'm your host, Samantha, and today we have Jane with us. Jane, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story? That's great. First of all, thank you for having me on here. I feel really honored. Um, You know, I'm an artist all the way through, but I also taught for 35 years, and I taught art and uh, anything creative, basically, at both the university level and college level. And uh, at some point, I lost a child. And having lost that child, I felt like my art life was over because death is so powerful that you think that that's pretty much like there's nothing that you can you can't compete with it. It's like just too powerful. Um, But what was interesting to make a long story short is that throughout that first year, I was doing things that were artistic. But I but before that, I'd been doing things that. Uh, were very specific to um, a way of making art that I was familiar with, that I developed, that was like my story. And then child dies, and then that's no longer important. Um, But I didn't know what was, because I was just in that really throw. Anybody that's lost someone dear to them knows that that first year is is pretty cinching and like like being Mm -hmm. in a vice grip of emotional everything. And um, yeah, couldn't compete with death. So, uh, but interestingly enough, as a human being, we are just creative. We find ways to do things or see things or be with things that we wouldn't call art necessarily, but someone else might recognize that we're problem solving along the way. And what I was doing was documenting um, some of what I was going through in the process of loss And then my daughter at some point, who was 16 at the time, who was very used to having an artistic mother, said, what you're doing is art. That is Mm -hmm. art. And Mm -hmm. I went, really? Like, how is that? You know, I just couldn't even recognize it as that. And I thought, well, if it is, I can do it with intent then. And I started to make things with a mind around grief. And also what had happened is somebody told me, you'll never get over grief. Mm -hmm. And I really, that really hit me badly I'm like if I'm going to feel like this for the rest of my life I don't even want to live Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's so Mm -hmm. bad Mm -hmm. um so I just refused that that was the answer to being in grief and also to make a long story short you can heal from grief like a broken bone it's not going to be the same you know you might feel some pain once in a while but you can have a life you can even have a better life you can have Mm -hmm. a life you choose 
you get to even have a new self and a new everything because you don't mm -hmm. just lose the child or the husband or the, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you lose everything. Mm -hmm. Everything is different. Nothing's the same. Mm -hmm. So um, that's who I am. <laughs> yeah, I you know set out to do, you know, the what was quote the impossible and managed to do it. That's, that's like such a, I'm hearing like art as the centerpiece of your resilience in that story as like this, I've, I've got to figure this out and I'm going to figure it out through something that kind of gives me joy, but not probably in the moment, like not in the moment, no. <laughs> and, or it could just be relief or it could be yeah. solved yeah. or one decides that what's wrong with feeling bad. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, what's mm -hmm. wrong with feeling horrendous? Mm -hmm. Like, what if we looked at that? What if we sat with that? What if we faced it? Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, that is the wellspring of getting better. Because in the darkness is all the information you need to bring yourself back into the light. You can't have one without the other. And I think yeah. that that, and that makes it sort of simplifies, it makes it even sound a little woo-woo. But it's what it is, is that whatever we consider dark, like feeling agonizing pain or having suicidal thoughts or, um, you know, thinking of the dead in strange ways or even participating in um, the rituals of viewing and doing things that are inappropriate or whatever it is we do in those, what people might say are morbid or, you know, um, unsavory or dark, you know, are kind of necessary. And, mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't say go hurt somebody or, mm -hmm. you know, but um, there are things that I did that I think um, I wasn't sure if it was right to do. Mm -hmm. Although on some authentic level, it was right for me to do to understand what I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example of that. My book opens with a story about the time that I, it had been a year and I was really still in the throes of grief pretty, pretty badly. And I went and gathered the little box of ashes, you know, I'm going to weigh like four pounds or something, and brought it into the living room. And I was a photographer at the time and I had my equipment set up there. And I thought, I'm just going to photograph them. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what these damn things are. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't, mm -hmm. they don't resemble my loved one for in mm -hmm. any, you know, shape or size. And I sifted them out. I, I even got a little sifter because I'm like, well, okay, we've got like a whole mash of stuff and we've got big pieces and little pieces and dust and so forth. And I decided to sift it and see what the different elements were. I could hear it. I could smell it. Mm -hmm. I even tasted it. And I put my hands on it to pat it down mm -hmm. and my fingerprints were inside of it mm. and I thought what a weird thing here I have this material that I don't understand that was once part of my son's body and I was able to differentiate between my son the person who's gone and the body that's left behind and decomposes or becomes ash if you choose that you know some people do burials there's mm -hmm. many methods I chose to do the cremation because he had told me a long time ago that he wanted to go up in flames. I'm like, well, you know, hopefully I don't have to be in charge of that, but mm -hmm. um, I was, and you know, cremation seemed like the closest thing. In any case, I had these ashes and uh, they became an art material. And I, I was sitting all by myself in the house. No one was around. It was actually in the living room too, right across from the front door. 
and I put my face in the ash and I lifted out and I could see my face mm. buried in his ashes. And then the door opened, the front door, and my mm. daughter walked in. And she was like, you know, had a raised eyebrow, dropped her backpack to the ground. She's 16 years old, you know, she's right. Like, and she goes, do you need help? Mm-hmm. And I thought she meant like psychological help. And she pushed her shirt up and she came, she goes, let's photograph oh this, you know, because she looked at it and she goes, that's amazing. Um, and as we moved the light around on the impression in the ash, it did this weird thing where it was concave at first. And when she pushed the shadows around, my face popped up out of his ashes. It was like facing my own mortality, oh my facing gosh. my own grief, because the image that I made in his ashes was a grimace. Uh-huh. It was like the grimace pushed deep into the sand of him. So who does that? Right. I mean, but I was compelled to. I did it. I made photographs of it. And then I wrote the story about it. And it is a very powerful and uh, revitalizing ritual that made me understand he's not here. Uh-huh. It's so vacant. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. if you've ever touched Ash, there's not much to it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. So that was, that's what I mean by the things that might be considered desecration or Mm -hmm. um, inappropriate. And I'm like, if you look around the world at different cultures, there's a woman who does that on Instagram, actually. She goes all over the world and documents the different rituals. Some of them are amazing Mm. where they even preserve their dead and bring them out every year and give them food offerings and dress them up. And then they put them back in these places where they can keep them preserved. I mean, it's amazing. That's not going to go over well with your, you know, average American person, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but for them, that's, they grew up that way. That That's mm-hmm. what they've always done. And it, I, I personally find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't have enough uh, grief culture here to support even talking about grief mm-hmm. like that is even considered you know how are you doing mm-hmm. i'm okay are you <laughs> am i gonna say fucking miserable yes ready yes. to like you know lay on the railroad tracks yeah no yeah we say oh, i'm good i'm good you know some days are better than others okay good yay you know keep it up and blah done you know like mm-hmm. you get five days for bereavement at work mm-hmm. and i mean the whole you know cultural uh grasp and look and and consideration of grief is that you deal with it in a moment if somebody's in grief and then you get that shut down real fast mm-hmm. and even for me i went i went to a couple of grief groups and honestly it was like walking on eggshells you couldn't i was sitting there thinking i just planted my face in ashes and i'm not going to say that to these gals mm-hmm. they're all going to flip out You know, and what I really wanted to do was all of us to get on the floor and completely, you know, flail and scream and wail and hold each other and hear the weirdest stuff you could possibly hear. Because as I began to talk to people about grief, we've all done it. We've all done the strange sniffing of clothing and holding on even like bloody handkerchiefs. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you anything. Mm You know, it's all been done. Yes. We do not discuss it. It's private. And I do. I think that there should be room for that. And I think, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, condoning like super weird behavior, 
but I'm condoning that if the behavior comes out and it's weird, not to shame it or guilt it or quiet it down, that it's part of the grief conversation because grief is awkward at best and it's profound and it's a journey that if embraced is actually an incredibly transformative journey. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I don't like having grieved, but I do like having transformed from grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all encompassing, isn't it? Like it just, yes, it takes over and there's, there's over. nothing else. So it's like figuring out how to, you know, move. I, I always say just move because <laughs> yeah. it's not always about moving forward. Like sometimes I'm just like sidestepping or going backwards. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's yeah. like, I have to figure out how to move, whether it's sitting with that oh, emotion. It's so good. Yes. Like, yeah. That staticness is yes. deadly. I mean, it's yes. just suffocating. Awful. Yeah. I, I have a piece about that too. A story about movement and about Um, I took a photograph of my son. The last photograph I'd actually taken of him was in my backyard. And I took a whole series of portraits of him um, in different parts of the garden and so forth. And a year later, same right after the ashes, actually, I went back out there and I got the little pictures and I looked at him and looked where we had photographed. And I put his clothes on and photographed myself in the same places. Mm-hmm. And the stepping stones in the garden were gone. The swing in the tree had been cut down. The mm. wheelbarrow was in a different place. The uh, bougainvillea that had bloomed every year was dead and dried to, to bone. And the honeysuckle had taken over the fence. And like there were all these changes. And it's like life goes on, you know, yes. like you can be stuck in this sort of timeless grief warp. And then when you start, your eyes start to open, you're like, holy cow, things are moving on without me. It's like, I better get on board because I do want to be part of this living business. You know, I don't want to be stranded in, in grief and disbelief and uh, grasping for what I can't get, you know, I can't get him. I can't get him back. So. And, and we all, like, I think you brought up a good point that we all have that, like, you, you had to, you know, you had the ashes and like, that was a transformative moment for you. Like yeah. I have my own, right? Like yes, yes, the throwing yes. away of a toothbrush or sobbing on the floor. Like I have yes. moments too, where it's like, you take you all of a sudden, it's like your mind goes, whoop. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. toothbrush becomes precious. You know? Yes. Like, oh yes. It's got like him embedded in the little <laughs> brush tines. When know? before we threw away toothbrush toothbrushes, like yeah, you know, whatever. like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The he, intimate part of his body is mouth. You know, I mean, it's yes. something that's so missed. It's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's um, so important to acknowledge and feel okay about. And in fact get into it you know mm-hmm. it's, it's truly okay mm-hmm. and I guess that's my message is that if you want to heal from grief the healing is in the details of the grief and mm. the loss and you have to look at them and be involved in them and have a relationship with that and death and your own mortality mm-hmm. to be able to get to a point where you go I'm part of the living and I'm going to live and this is how I'm going to live and this is how I'm going to show up and to hell with, you know, feeling grief forever. Um, I think some people, there's some other terms too that they don't sit right for me, but they might for other people. So I'm not putting them down. There's one about um, we we carry our loss, you know, or carry our grief mm-hmm. and we learn how to carry it. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want any part of carrying it. Uh, that, mm-hmm. But that's me. I don't want to carry grief. I, I want to um, unburden myself from the grief and carry the love of my child. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that I'll carry. I will not let go. I will always hold on. I will mm-hmm. embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will not, um, you know, negotiate with grief as being something that I can't, I can let go of that. You can mm-hmm. let go of grieving because I've done it. And so it's not true when people say you'll, you'll never heal. Now, I think the complication is that you'll also hear statements like your love is equivalent to how much you grieve bullshit, because you, you you can start replacing the grief with paying attention to the love. Mm -hmm. That's not a, it's not one or the other. It's Mm -hmm. not black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, I've been accused of that. Like, if you healed, then you must not have really loved your son that much. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, my son was like, and he still is. Mm-hmm. I still have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. It's not the way I want it, but I'm not going to pine after it because it's it's impossible. Mm-hmm. And I think if you pine, I, I tend to be more Buddhist thinking too, where mm-hmm. I think that for me, it's important to kind of let go of things that are impossible and and maintain a sense of, what is possible, which is to abide in love and abide in compassion and combine, abide in empathy and uh, look at what's real and, mm-hmm. and um, honor, I honor him all the time, you know, and in fact, he's become a big, big part of my life. Um, looking at things, um, there are certain like owls are important. When I mm-hmm. see an owl, I think of him when I anything about Scotland because he loves Scotland. So there, well, you know, I mean, if, if you mm-hmm. lose somebody there, there's a mountain of stuff that you know about them. And then you could start embracing that and, and honoring that. So um, does that make sense? It makes complete sense to me. Like you're, you're speaking to my heart and you said something and I'm not going to say it right, but it's like, there was something about almost being in the active state of grieving. Not that you're still not having grieving moments throughout but like the both and right like I can be both loving and still grieving I can be Mm -hmm. both moving forward and stepping backwards like that whole idea but but kind of like that active deep darkness isn't all-encompassing yeah 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 it doesn't have to be or or um if you don't but this is just my own thing. Mm-hmm. I felt like if I um, did not allow the painful, mm-hmm. the most, mm-hmm. and it is honestly the most horrendous pain I have ever experienced in my life, mm-hmm. both physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything. It was just split open, mm-hmm. you know. If I didn't embrace that, if I tried to just focus on love and just focus on positive, mm-hmm. it's a process. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. to that dark yep. place. Yeah. More than once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm talking years. Like mm-hmm. it and but it wasn't like so the first year isn't absolutely freaking impossible. Yes. The second year is like the anesthesia. And this is for me. Everybody's mm-hmm. different. They all mm-hmm. have different varying effects. The second year was like the anesthesia wore off. Mm-hmm. And I was like really inundated. Like I, I thought I was going to go completely crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I started to gain some sense 
because I was also delving into the grief more. Mm -hmm. So I was really allowing. And I realized you don't have to do this all at once. Right. (laughs) You can take this step at a time. I'm kind of, I'm kind of an all in kind of person. Uh Like in this case, you might not want to be because it's bigger than you, Uh you know? So um, I started to incrementally explore it's like no stone was unturned. Mm-hmm. I and I looked under many times, like why did he die? What what could I have done? Mm-hmm. All of that, all the guilt and misgivings and any unfinished business and all of that is like I had to explore and take on mm-hmm. and um, but not all at once mm-hmm. as, as I could. And then um, and I did a lot of writing about it. That helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, different people have different ways. I know that my husband, he works, um, he makes things and in the making, he'd like grind metal and Mm, yeah, that was his way, you know, just different. I have a friend who's a musician. She wrote like all kinds of music that she'd never even written anything like before, you know, uh, for her loss. And then another friend of mine is a painter and she painted and there are people that cook, you know, Mm -hmm. then they start or, uh, giving service to something mm-hmm. that that actually is great that there are people that they'll donate their time so they're getting out of their own you know mm-hmm. conglomerate of grief and donating their time and I'd say the first year that'd be like near to impossible mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like a third year it's possible you mm-hmm. know little bits in increments um, to start serving and honoring something um, outside of oneself. Cause I think we, it, it's incredibly self-consuming mm-hmm. to grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've brought up a couple of times more than once, um, about the identity, like oh. in grief, you lose everything yeah. that you ever thought about yourself. Like, yeah. and then so you're, you, you hit this super dark spot in that moment. Like, moments moments (laughs) that continue to carry on and it's like you're not just trying to figure out grief you're trying to figure out what does this mean about me now like what do I care about yeah who am I what do I care about what am I what am I doing like yeah 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 and and but there for me there was a time and I don't know where you are in your loss but Uh, For me, it it took a while, like maybe five years to get really where I'm like, damn it. That gal's dead. (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. And there needs to be a new person Mm -hmm. on board here because we can't do this without somebody on board. Yeah. It's almost like giving them a job description, you know, yourself a job description. How are you going to show up now? Yeah. And I really literally did write down the things that I wanted to accomplish and the things that I wanted to do and what I wanted to care about. I didn't freaking care about anything, but I wanted to care about Mm -hmm. and I worked on it. And it is like, it's a process. Mm -hmm. All of it from, from the first point of losing someone all the way through it's a process it's still a process for me although I don't have a lot of work to do because I've done like lots of work (laughs) Um, the process now is to um, let go of my book let my book out into the world you know Mm -hmm. it's really changed into something as it's transformed Mm -hmm. and I am showing up as the person that I want to be and I am uh, able to I have a strong grasp of my identity 
which is really interesting because it also put me up against all my other relationships and what they meant to me and whether I cared mm. about them. And then I started to get into those losses, you know, because <laughs> some of them weren't working and some of them, you know, it's, it's just an enormous. But I think there are those people. Uh, when I was in one of the grief groups, there was a woman there that said she had been going to a grief group for 10 years. And I thought, that is not going to be me. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. not doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with her doing that because that's what gets her through. But I think, and she was still seemed in my judgmental mind stuck Uh Uh and I I kind of wanted to help her but I wasn't in the position to do that at that time Mm -hmm. and I wish I had my book now and go look (laughs) (laughs) you know I think you're really struggling I think this is prolonged grief and I'm not a psychologist but sure looks like it you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and grief can get complicated especially with suicide it's very complicated Mm -hmm. and and we can all get stuck, right? Like oh, we, all we do, get we do stuck. get stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then it's figuring yeah. out how how do I get unstuck? Well, even to know or recognize that you're stuck. Yes, is yes. Business, you know. Yes. Um, you think you're fine, and then all of a sudden something comes up. I'll tell you, I thought I was fine, and then my daughter, when she turned uh, nineteen, she said, "Oh, I have something to tell you." I'm like, "Okay," and she said, "I'm pregnant." And I went, oh, yeah, I just sobbed. I I could, I like to have someone come into my life that I need to love that I could lose. Yeah. Yeah. I could count on my fingers. I can handle five people. That's it. I'm never doing this again. (laughs) Yeah. And then she said, no, no, you'll be in love as soon as you see this baby. And of course, the curse was broken. Once I held that child, I was like, okay, I'm in, you know, Mm -hmm. and in fact, the big hole where Nanda was, she slipped into that space and inhabited some mm-hmm. of that space that felt really vacant to me. And it turns out that she, when she was about three or four, she was saying his name all the time and telling me things about him that none of us were like, where did that come from? So that was fun. Oh, wow. That yeah. is very interesting. And I'm like, I'm a believer. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it, you know, because this is good. Wow. It was really marvelous. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what do you, th- you know, you, you talked about like letting your book go into the world. Grief, grief isn't just about, we don't just experience grief when we lose a loved one. We can right. experience grief because we lost a job or because again, it relates back to our identity. I mean, do you have anything you would say to anybody, you know, because like grief is all encompassing no matter what kind of grief. It doesn't matter what kind it is. I think that, you know, people like to say there's a hierarchy and um, I might be just in a real oddball. I am an, I just admit it. I'm an oddball. (laughs) And I, and um, if, if I could show you how much I love my son, you'd be like, I wish I had a mother like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. just saying like, it's big. Mm -hmm. And I have a little dog. And if anything were to happen to him, I think I would grieve Mm -hmm. as much. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds Mm -hmm. weird because I've had other dogs, you know, Mm -hmm. when the little kinkany went, I'm like, thank God you drove me nuts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he was old. But um, Oliver is like, he's like a soul dog. 
I don't even know how to describe that. But if, you know, so when people say their pets die and people go, oh, but you know, you can get another one or whatever. They, it's sort of dismissed, but here's what it is. I think it's the relationship to the person, place or thing. Yes. Identity. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And my strong attachment to Oliver and our relatability. And there's just something magical between us. Mm -hmm. I would be devastated if something mm -hmm. happened to him. Mm -hmm. um, and my home, you know, like I, I can't imagine when I, and I saw the fires in Hawaii, I was like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine losing my home, you know, mm -hmm. and being displaced, not mm -hmm. just your home and then you're displaced, you know, or worse yet, you're in Syria or Israel or, you know, the Gaza yeah. Strip, you know, I mean, it, the list goes on, right? And, the, and we can look at all these hierarchies and, I have to say, though, there are people that experience multiple traumatic loss, especially in the case of Gaza and Israel, that th that goes beyond like losing my dog. This mm -hmm. is something that mm -hmm. I don't know how people survive that. That's just gigantic. You know, mm -hmm. it's just beyond it's beyond my imagination. I just I can't even go there because I've never experienced it. Mm -hmm. I've only experienced losing one child and um yeah. Mm -hmm. And my father and, you know, mm -hmm. some close people, but um, yeah. So I think there is, but I wouldn't call it a hierarchy. I just call it, you know, it, it, there's kind of like, you have this well of grief. I think everybody has it. And some people's are really deep mm -hmm. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and some you might not be able to climb out of, like, I don't know how I'd climb out of something that would happen where I lose home, family, everything. Mm. You know? Where it's like multiple forces yeah, no, against you. Yeah, yeah, beyond, beyond. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. One thing um, you've talked about, and and I think it bears talking about a little bit more, is the grief culture piece, yeah. um, because in American society, the United States specifically, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are a big conglomerate and a melting pot of lots yeah. of different things. So there. Are, are cultures that do have rituals and there are cultures that embrace and you know that the jewish people have you know beautiful rituals for dealing with that uh, same with um muslim and uh, lots of religious uh sects have ways of dealing with that but i think in the general kind of mm -hmm. publicy mode mm -hmm. we're you know, we're either very Hollywood about it. Guess who died, you know, and how they died. And then we're mm -hmm. sensationalized something if it's a big story, but the actual compassion of, and the process of grief, that's not discussed. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to discuss something in school, that's really important. Why not discuss some of that? Why don't we mm -hmm. talk about, you know, I don't know if there would be very many parents would be very comfortable with that, you know, think mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. So there's the whole um, death um, positive talk that's there's some small uh, bits of culture around that are embracing that. And then there's the thanatologist that that's what they study. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that when they tell people they study that people will be like, oh, my God, yeah, there's it's a little like, bit of judgment, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like it seems like it's gross or something. Yes, or I've yes. been called morbid because I write about death. I'm like, OK, what's wrong with morbid? Like, mm -hmm. can we just you want to discuss that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you mm -hmm. probably won't be able to because you haven't really thought you don't even consider it it's not even mm -hmm. a you know a conversation so yes I think we're in trouble there and I think 
uh, I know someone that just recently lost their child to suicide. They went to a grief group, then they went to another one and another one. And they're like, you, you did this 20 years ago. It is not changed. Mm-hmm. Like maybe there is one. I haven't heard of it. Please tell me somebody if there's grief groups that really get into it and really share on a deep level about the process and all the multiple loss that come with a singular loss. Mm-hmm. I'd be, I'd be thrilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, I think, you know, what would our world be like if we could have conversations about this, if mm-hmm. we could openly, instead of, you know, how are you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. We could actually have the conversation. You know what? Today's a tough day and I've cried in my bedroom all morning long, right? Like, mm-hmm. What if yeah. we could have those conversations and, and we knew that the person receiving them wasn't making some sort of judgment or they feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to feel uncomfortable. So what yeah. we do is we tell them something yes. to make them feel comfortable. Yeah. I, went, I went to a dinner, I was getting sick of it. And I went to a dinner party with all these up ups, you know, professors mm-hmm. and, um, administrators the president of the school and all this stuff and I dressed real nice it was a very nice dinner and people are all talking about what their kids were doing well my kids at Harvard doing law and blah 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 and you know all this stuff and then someone turns to me and they go you haven't spoken all night I go well I have one kid dead and one kid in prison and my daughter's pregnant though that's really you know I'm really enjoying that that aspect but um is there anything else you'd like to know it was really rude, but I was pissed. I don't know. I, you know, I tell people a lot, like I have my cactus moments where I like, it's like, you probably can't see all the thorns coming out of me, but just ask. And I'm going to give you straight up exactly what you need or what you don't need. Uh-huh. Well, I think that, yeah. And if you're a bit matured in your grief passage, you get there, you get to the point where you're not going to put up with anybody's crap. You know, because it's you can see like I've hit the worst of my worst. Mm-hmm. Don't give me any, you know, business mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. So mm-hmm. I, I laugh when I think back on that. But it was rude. And, it, and you know, I don't know how I deal with it now. I probably would do it more diplomatically and I'd bring it up as a conversation. But it would get shut down yeah. so fast. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. So you've stayed, you know, in grief, any, any kind of loss, like you, art was a big thing, living in your emotions. It sounded like, like your daughter. I am like, wow. At 16 to walk in and be like, I'm here with you, mom. Like that just moves me on a whole level that I can't even explain. Oh, it, it, Um, uh, it, our relationship really changed because she was like, you know, when you're 15, 16, you're kind of like challenging your mom a lot and stuff. And, you know, when her brother died, she turned into this woman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she had her head on much differently than I did. I was unavailable. And it was really bad for her in the moment because we had just moved. Mm. So we were like 200 miles away from her brothers. And it was really difficult. And then he dies. And, you know, and she showed up. She was um my saving grace honestly mm-hmm. she was you know talk about showing up but mm-hmm. I raised her mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I raised her to be open and um she could have been free to go ew uh-huh. <laughs> what the hell are you doing 
but she didn't. She was fascinated. Well, and what a powerful lesson, I think, for her and for all of us as we're listening about do what you need to do. Like in that moment, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, right? Like there's a, like, I need this to help me heal. As long as you're not causing harm to others. Right. Or, no, right? I'm not really against harm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, but I need although this to some, heal. Right. Although some folks might be, feel emotionally harmed by watching you do certain yeah. things in rituals. So you, I think there's a line where I have to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll have to read my book about the viewing. <laughs> I I am your book. Your book is on my list of things to read. Yeah, because- it's not for the faint of heart, but it's actually even people that are very sensitive that have read my book, they thought they were going to go in and go, oh, my God, this is going to be too much. And they they felt held throughout it. So mm-hmm. I can say that. Um, there are a couple people that said that it was really hard to read and it took them a while, but they didn't stop. They kept reading it because they couldn't not stop. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's, it is, it's a book about grief. It's a book about suicide. It's a book about, um, losing self and identity. And it's a book about family fucking up and mm-hmm. it, it's got all the things. It wasn't just one loss. It was a bunch of stuff, but it's also about resilience. And I'll tell, okay, so here's your question about resilience. Cause yep. you asked that, how does one be resilient? You practice it. You fake it till you make it. You do things that you don't want to do because remember you were told when you were a kid, you may not like it, but you have to eat your vegetables. You do. You just, there's certain things you have to do. And if you don't, then you pay the consequences. Mm -hmm. It's it's just that simple. Mm -hmm. And so the things that I kept reminding myself, because I kept messing up. And even if you keep messing up, you try again, eating properly. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It is so mm-hmm. crucial mm-hmm. So I was eating like French fries and beer. Uh, yep. Yeah. Wine. <laughs> Wine. We'll have another <laughs> basket of those fries. Thank you very much. Smoking cigarettes and eating chocolate. I mean, I was just like, whatever. It just mm-hmm. for like a minute, it made me feel something, something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then it was a point where I'm like, this cannot like after 25 pounds gain, you cannot do that. You're a small person, mm-hmm. you know, so eating properly getting proper sleep and rest Mm -hmm. sleep is really hard when you're in grief but at least rest even if that means you're at work go to the bathroom sit on the toilet longer than usual yep yep (laughs) wash water in your face yes screw makeup screw doing your hair all those you know refineries you know princess privileges or whatever they are that's mostly for women and people that appreciate princess privileges um let them go like Don't have to get so enamored in all of what needs to be what needs to be done and how you're supposed to show up. Show up clean <laughs> and rested, mm-hmm. and uh, and then yeah, take frequent breaks. And if anybody says anything to you that you're uncomfortable with, say, "Oh, I'm, excuse me, I've got to go." Allow you yourself to it. dismiss yourself, right? Dismiss like, yourself, yeah. especially during the holidays. Yeah. Yes. And don't even go. Yes. <laughs> You yes. Know? I think the power of no in those moments, that was no, my huge. I, yeah. I went no conversation. first year because I was like, I, I'm supposed to do this, right? I'm, yeah, supposed, supposed, to do to. This. I'm supposed to. And then it was like the second year, all of a sudden I was like, nope, fuck it. No, fuck it. I'm doing what's right for me right now. Yeah. And this is not right. Yeah. Go to Tahoe or something. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. 
Yeah. So there's that. And then, um, so the, the rest exercise is mm -hmm. so good for grief, mm -hmm. like walking, no matter what it is, dance like a wild maniac, mm -hmm. um, whatever it is, to, it, we were talking about move your freaking mm -hmm. body mm -hmm. because you'll just want to go into this deep depression. Mm -hmm. and, and then sometimes you just have to, like, you can't help it. You have to lie down, but if you continue lying down, then you get in the habit of lying down and it's really, really hard to get up. Yes. Like really hard. Yes. Yeah. So in the beginning, it's going to be really hard to do those things, but you keep trying. Mm -hmm. It's like, you have to save your life. You have a life. You don't know yes. what it is yet, but yeah. you have to save it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's all those dumb things. Exercise, <clears throat> nutrition, sleep, rest, mm -hmm. water, mm -hmm. sunlight, mm -hmm. get outdoors, mm -hmm. freaking hug a tree. Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding. Mm -hmm. Touch the earth. Mm -hmm. I would go sit at the water. That was my favorite. Yes. Oh, spot. it's mm -hmm. absolute. Look at the stars in the sky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. cheap thrills just do these things that if you can connect with nature mm -hmm. i think that's an incredible healer mm -hmm. you know? yeah um and then be really really kind and forgiving to yourself mm -hmm. and you have to remind yourself because you i remember being like oh what a really fucked up mother i must have been mm -hmm. that he would mm -hmm. you know die like that how's yeah. that how's it and people will even say things like I remember my my dad's wife at the time. She said, "Oh, I'd never let that happen to my child." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't even like those people. Out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Done. Yes. yes. Yeah. So it's yes. all. So it, be the most assertive, even if you feel really, really gut wrenchingly uncomfortable about it. Just do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have permission from me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Do it. And and I'm with you hundred percent. I've said all the time, like in those moments, I learned who was really my support group and who wasn't right. And there are some people who like the broken me, the broken mm -hmm. Samantha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some who don't like the version that she is now, you know, and I'm oh, like, yeah. okay, see ya. Bye. Yes. Oh, I, my, yeah, my uh, contact list got cut down. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's okay. That's, that's also okay too. Like, you know, I was fearful. I'm not going to have any friends. And, uh, but what happened was because I was shifting and changing, these new people started coming into mm -hmm. my life that were really good for me. Mm -hmm. It's been the best. I have the best life. I, I really do. And I'm really thankful for my experience. And I'm thankful that I experienced grief the way that I did, because I think I would not be as um, creative and as energetic and as awake as I am, even though I miss my son, what an awful thing to have happen. But the grief part, however horrendously horror, I mean, I don't really want to ever go through that again, yeah. but I'm prepared if I do, but I'm glad that I did. I know it's uh, it to me, it became the ultimate gift of understanding how to live a life mm. because it's part of life. None of us are getting out of this alive. Mm -mm. So, mm -hmm. and a lot of our friends are going before us and a lot of our family are going before us mm -hmm. and we need to embrace that on some mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. Like get real. Yeah. Well, Jane, this has been an amazing conversation for me. Um, 
Is there anything else you want to say before we end everything? I think I could just yeah. keep talking to you for a long time, but is there anything else you feel like you just want to make sure everybody hears or? I guess in sort of like big neon lights, I want to reassure people I have been in it. I have processed it and you can heal from grief. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect from healing from grief, but it, it, you know, I always use the analogy of like people break their legs and then, Every so often the leg aches or it's not put together quite right, but, mm. but it, you won't, you don't have to go. If you choose to stay in grief, that's fine, but you don't have to, and it's possible to heal it. And I want to spread that word because I've heard too many people saying there's no way they've got all these drawings about it. And it feels like that in the beginning, but here I am. I swear mm -hmm. to you, it's doable. Mm -hmm. And um, and it and it came from love. It didn't come from not love. Mm -hmm. it, 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 love was the, I would say art helped. What art is, is just the catalyst to, uh, for me to get involved in it. Mm -hmm. But it could be reading. It could be cooking. It could be yeah. sharing with people. Yeah. It could be traveling. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that moving and involving yourself in a way that you include your loved one in it, you know, is what's going to make a difference. That's powerful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about it because mm. I don't, I hate to see people struggling if they don't want to. Some people want to, that's mm. fine. Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah. 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 Well, Jane has a book coming out, The Fine Art of Grieving. It's releasing in 2024. So you'll have to go check that out. Um, and you can follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. It's The Fine Art of Grieving. Again, that's The Fine Art of Grieving. Yes, Thank come you follow so me. Much. And my book comes out in March oh, on March. Okay. 25th, uh, which is a lunar eclipse. And there's a story. The moon goes throughout the whole story. So mm. it, we're honoring that eclipse of the moon. Oh, I love that planning. Like that yeah. intentional planning is so Failing awesome. It. Yeah. Oh. Well, thank you so much, Jane. You're welcome. Thank you. I feel very honored and I and very appreciative to be able to be given a, a space to talk about something that's been really important to me for the last 20 something, 24 years, 25 years. It's been a while. So thank you. Thank you for listening to And Life Happened. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will continue to listen and like our podcast. If you would like to support our podcast, you can do so by sharing this with others to build our community of resilience. To stay updated on the latest information, please follow us at and underscore life happened on Instagram. If you would like to share your life happened story of resilience, please complete the form in our Instagram bio. These are our personal stories and we are not mental health professionals. This is not a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Thank you.